Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our passage today comes from Mark 13, 24 through 37. Listen for what God is saying to you. In those days, after the suffering of that time, the sun will become dark and the moon won't give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the planets and other heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then they will see the human one coming in the clouds with great power and splendor. Then he will send the angels and gather together his chosen people from the four corners of the earth, from the end of the earth to the end of heaven. Learn this parable from the fig tree. After its branches become tender and it, sp- and it sprouts new leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, you know that he's near at the door. I assure you that this generation won't pass until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will certainly not pass away. But nobody knows when that day or hour will come, not the angels in heaven and not the Son. Only the Father knows. Watch out. Stay alert. You don't know when the time is coming. It's as if someone took a trip and left the household behind and put the servants in charge, giving each one a job to do, and told the doorkeeper to stay alert. Therefore, stay alert. You don't know when the head of the household will come, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows in the early morning or at daybreak. Don't let him show up when you weren't expecting and find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to all, stay alert. May God add a blessing and hearing and living out of the scripture. Good morning, church. My name is Emily McKinley, and I have the Great joy of serving um, in ministry as the the pastor of this particular faith community um, and uh, in partnership with many of the folks that you saw up here, either singing or lighting candles or um, welcoming us to the space or giving testimony, um, but also many folks that you don't see who uh, uh, fix our food and who uh, make sure that our AV is working properly and um, uh, do uh, coordinate outreach um, activities. And I'm so grateful Um, that this community can be a thriving, hospitable space um, because of all of those angels who work with me. Um, Let us prepare our hearts with a word of prayer um, as we um, open ourselves to what God might be saying to us this morning. God, we give you thanks for the gift that it is to come together, even if it's in a chilly space, um, to feel the warmth of your spirit and the warmth of fellowship and community here We ask that as we um, enter into a time of meditation and reflection on your word, that you would um, clear away the clutter of our minds and help us to be attentive, both um, in our hearts um, as well as in our intellect, as we um, seek a word from you. And so show up and help us to um, receive you, 
however, um, in whatever way that that um, calls us to attention. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So right after I finished high school, um, I actually got a job as a teller with Seattle First Bank, uh, which is now owned by Bank of America. Um, to my 17-year-old self, this felt like a really big, kind of fancy pants job. Um, and it, but it was kind of an awful fit in a lot of different ways, um, the least of which was that I really liked joking around, and no one likes to joke about their money. Uh, I am simply too silly for banking. Um, but that's besides the point of this conversation. Um, but if you've ever had a job where you just were like, this is not working, I feel you, I know that experience. Um, but uh, before you could begin your work at your local branch, of course, you had to go through um, training. And, and so I, I would drive to Seattle for two weeks um, to go and learn all the ins and outs of deposits and withdrawals and routing numbers and what to do when you get robbed. Um, we also spent some time discussing counterfeit currency. And the trainer, share, the trainer shared stories of, how, of different kinds of counterfeit money that had been caught. And I kept wondering if they were going to show us some examples of what they had seen. And as it turns out, I wasn't the only one. Uh, another trainee asked if they could see some counterfeit dollars that had passed through the bank. Um, and even though it's been nearly 20 years since I went through that training, the instructor's response stayed with me. She said, we don't show you counterfeit bills because the best way to spot one is by becoming deeply familiar with the real thing. And this came to me as I meditated on our passage for this morning, um, because just before the one that we read, there's this whole other section where Jesus is telling the people, keep watch, which is a biblical way of saying, stay woke. He warns, many people will come in my name saying, I'm the one. They will deceive many people. And these things are just the beginning of the sufferings that are associated with the end. All of these lies and corruptions and persecutions, Jesus is saying, these things are going to happen. They will happen. They, are, they were happening then, and they are certainly happening now. We've got uh, self-proclaimed Christian leaders justifying pedophilia by saying that Jesus' mother was 14 or so, and, Jesus, and Joseph was much older than her, so it's no big deal, right? It's even biblical that grown men should prey on young girls. A truth twisted so good that it's got the devil saying, why didn't I think of that one? <laughs> and an approach to the Advent story, I can honestly say, has never come across our brainstorming sessions at UBC. We've got representatives who believe that this country should be run just like a corporation, turning profits by any means necessary. A few folk getting wealthy on the backs of millions of others, reducing the lives and livelihoods for the enjoyment and endless consumption of a few. It would be easy to see only these things, feeding off the negative space and getting so hungry for some kind of soul food that you're eager to believe anything that seems like, sounds like, looks like, if you squint your eyes and tilt your head just a little bit, looks like maybe, maybe the possibility of Jesus returning. When you get desperate, my dating friends, <laughs> you start lowering your standards. <laughs> and you talk yourself out of your dreams. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you start lowering your standards and you talk yourself out of your dreams, naive, idealistic figments of the imagination, dreams of the uninitiated. And so to guard against dissolving into cynicism, which is a very tempting prospect in times like these, we must become deeply familiar with the real thing.
the actual gospel, which is not about red Starbucks cups or God bless America or even God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Jesus warns about this. False Christs and false prophets will appear, he says. They will offer signs and wonders in order to deceive. But you, watch out. I've told you everything ahead of time. Stay close to the actual, real gospel that I have been proclaiming. The actual, real gospel of Jesus Christ is a tradition that drinks from deep wells of justice for the powerless and rest for the weary, concern for the poor, and those who are made vulnerable by our social and political systems. This is what it means when you read scripture talking about caring for the widows and the orphans, social and political systems that are failing our most vulnerable. And when you read this gospel, when you get a close and deeply familiar look and and get cozy up to the real thing, the real message of Jesus, well, you can spot a counterfeit a mile away. So we stay close to the gospel message, the true gospel message, because it not only helps us hold the pain of this world by naming it, and speaking to it, and showing us a way that it can be redeemed. We also do it as a constant reminder that the ancient message of Jesus continues to ring true in this modern day, that the work to which we have been called as his followers continues to be relevant and continues to be ours. And Jesus is done warning us of all we're up, after Jesus is done warning us of all we're up against in our passage for today, he reminds us that he ain't done with the world yet, right? He'll be rolling back through. So he says, you better get your stuff together. He says, because nobody knows when that day or hour will come, not the angels in heaven and not even me, the son, only the father knows. So watch out, stay alert. You don't know the time when the time is coming. Don't let him show up when you weren't expecting and find you sleeping. Stay woke. In our passage for today, we have a sort of apocalyptic vision that's laid out for us. The sun and the moon will become dark. The stars will fall from the sky. The planets will be shaken. And then Jesus will come emerging from the clouds with great power and splendor, sending angels to gather his chosen people from the four corners of the earth. How will we know when Jesus is coming? How will we know when he's near? He says, it may feel like winter, but he says, keep watch for spring. Keep your eyes open for signs of life, the tender, budding beauty of a fig tree that marks the end of winter. Now this Sunday, as you heard earlier, it marks the first Sunday in Advent. It's a season of the church year when we recall how God came to earth clothed in humanity to show us how to live into our fullest, most human joy with generosity and with a tenacious commitment to wholeness of life for all. It's about the recalling recalling the conditions of the world that Jesus entered, that it was a, a wasteland of economic exploitation and a landscape of political corruption driven by fear and colored by the deep despair of those who had been left to fend for themselves. But Advent isn't just about remembering, it's also about looking forward. It's it's about anticipating the day and the time when Jesus will return, to keep watch, stay woke to, to what's going on around us, and to keep alert, stay committed to the tasks that are ours to do until he returns. And so over these next few weeks, we'll journey through the movements of Advent, kind of like, like the, the verses of a familiar song, 
hope, love, joy, peace. A pilgrimage in faith and an exercise in faithfulness, trusting in the song even when we can't always hear the music. But there is music if we listen closely. Our Advent sermon series is all about listening more closely, practicing awareness, looking for signs of God's wonder that are present around us because it's too easy to hum along with the melodies of despair. Let's sing a different kind of song where the blue notes mingle with the hope notes. Not for escapism, but for a truer song to tell a more courageous story, a story that names the places where death is operating and claiming the ways that life is flourishing, or at least budding. (laughs) That things like hope and love and joy and peace are for us too, not for later, but for now. That these things own real estate in this world in the form of us, even in a world where despair and hatred and sorrow and war are posturing for power. That no one thing, no, that no one or no thing can not callous leadership or ruthless tax bills or any number of dehumanizing, greed-driven misuses of power can snatch it away. And so we pay attention to the signs of life around us because in a death-dealing world, pointing to signs of life is downright revolutionary. We notice them and we point them out to one another because no one can take our joy and wonder away. At times, though, it can be difficult to access them. So we have a church calendar to remind us to do so and a a church community here to help us do it. We also have our teachings that tell us why it's important. Now, in the Presbyterian tradition, the tradition in which I was ordained, one of the first questions that a person being confirmed in the church used to be asked um, was this, in part of the gendered language, what is man's chief end? And the correct response is this, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It is tempting and frankly easy to give in to cynicism, to throw up our hands. But this teaching tells us that to do so is to sin against God twice. We are called to glorify God, to let God's light shine and God's message of wholeness of life for all be proclaimed far and wide with our authentic selves. We are called to glorify God. And so I ask you, how are you glorifying God? How are you being the hands and feet and presence and voice of Jesus in this world? How are you putting your energy, intelligence, imagination, and love toward God's project of wholeness of life for all, practicing courage, resisting and reforming those systems and structures that diminish life? This is what glorifies God working and glorifying God while we wait for Jesus to return in fullness. But it's also about waiting. Waiting and watching and wondering at the ways that God is present in this world. Seeking out joy and community and imagination in the midst of our work. This is what enjoying God looks like. Because we are also called to enjoy God, to look for signs of life and wonders of God's presence and to enjoy them. Just like we have a mandated day of rest, so too do we have a mandate for joy. How about that? This isn't tuning out the realities of the world. This is about flourishing in a death-dealing world. Because if we don't do this, if we don't find ways to seek and experience joy in the world, we will become, we will become corrosive, cynical, 
people. It's about understanding and naming the places where death is at work while also proclaiming and claiming and delighting in all the ways that life is at work, affirming the things like hope and love and joy and peace that all of those things are for us too. What signs of wonder do you see? What signs of budding life are around you? For me, as uh, Diamond mentioned earlier, I saw it this past Friday in the form of budding community at our open mic. Folks from all over the neighborhood, throughout the South Side, gathered together at the Silver Room, 75 to 80 people at least, to hear sharing stories and, and to sing songs, to read letters to ourselves, to, to, see, um, to, to speak words all around these themes of hope, love, joy, and peace. Not all these people were church folk. But they need those things just as much as you and me. Strangers and neighbors sharing and listening and connecting. And before that, seeing the way that our Facebook invitation in a week's time just blew up. How it had been shared over 80 times by people I had no connection with. How 700 people had marked that they were interested and over 100 people said that, yes, I am planning to go. Wonder of wonders. Signs of life. And then last night, gathering with our family life group to hear Aaron, our director of discipleship, share about the Advent journey with some of our kids, seeing their eyes glued to the images of the story, considering prophets that point toward hope and the mystery of light shining in darkness. That's a wonder. What wonders have you seen lately? We are entering the darkest time of the year, a time when we grapple with the things that darkness brings to the surface, vulnerability and fear, unknowing. And we're living in a time of darkness when we can't trust the governments which rule us to protect our well-being. There is plenty to leave us feeling exposed and without protection. It's understandable to want to curl up and just hide away. But our faith in this season reminds us not to hide, but to shine brightly in the darkness, pointing the way towards signs of life in a death-dealing world. of hope because we remember that the prophets taught us that everything was about to change that hope was coming and they were pointing towards hope and so we light the candle of hope and I'm going to sing a song and I'm going to sing it once and then I'll invite you to sing it with me two more times so we light the candle of hope one bright candle of hope. Jesus brings hope to every heart. He comes. He comes. So you can sing with me. Light the candle of hope. One bright candle of hope. Jesus brings hope to every heart. Jesus brings hope to whoever he 
Light the candle of hope, one bright candle of hope. Jesus brings hope to every heart. He comes, he comes, he is coming. And we are working and watching for signs and wonders as we wait. Let us pray. God, help us to be bright, shining lights of hope in this world, calling out, naming those places where death is at work, and calling out, naming the places where life is flourishing or budding. Help us in this season of mystery and awe and fear and waiting and looking for you to be people who don't curl up and hide away, but who shine brightly for your purposes of life in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.